Hey everyone, welcome back to the Life Limbers podcast. It's been a little while, apologize for the hiatus, it's just summertime, so it's been pretty busy, but we're going to be back on the podcast here. Thought we would take this time just to talk about some of the current events in the watch industry. I think there's been quite a few things that have happened over the last uh, couple of weeks since we recorded our last podcast. Obviously, the New York watch auctions took place. Um, there were some really interesting releases that happened. I think what watch brands are doing right now is sort of gearing up for the for the uh, for the next season. I think it's pretty common, or at least I think it's pretty common knowledge that you know at least um, be the vintage and the and the pre-owned side watch purchases sort of taper off now and i think some brands are sort of you know teasing or releasing some things that are gonna obviously pick up uh pretty pretty rapidly so i thought uh to kick off this podcast we talk about probably one of the most spoken about releases of the last month and that was uh, from Rolex. Uh, Rolex is a brand that doesn't iterate too too often, and stays pretty close to the roots of what they are, what they what they produce and what they make, um, pretty pretty much to the letter of the law. <clears throat> um, but really interestingly, uh, they released a new Daytona, and this was in honor of the hundredth year of the twenty four hours of Le Mans. Um, which is obviously a very special event. If you don't know, Le Mans is a is a um, endurance race that takes place, uh, an automotive endurance race that takes place in France, and um, what uh, what what's special about the race is obviously the Rolex Daytona was worn pretty heavily in a lot of the previous races, um, and so uh, there were individuals seen wearing the Paul Newman Daytona often uh, during this time and so to commemorate this rolex released a reverse panda dial black ceramic tachymeter bezeled uh rolex daytona with a a paul newman dial Uh, this is huge uh this is probably one of the biggest releases that they've had um ever it's uh it's um the new Le Mans Daytona reference 126529LN, which is, um, is I, I don't know, it really broke the internet. It's a, it's a white gold uh, watch that has the Paul Newman dial. Now, if you don't know, the Paul Newman dial is, is a um, version of a the Daytona, obviously speaking of the vintage versions of the, the Daytona, where if you look at the sub-dials, the three sub-dials, you'll see at the end of the hour markers as opposed to just having straight lines they're actually squares that are located at the end of the the hour the 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 chronograph um the the sub dials uh, hour mark or uh, sub dial markers and obviously these watches have commanded extreme extreme premiums um but rolex has not reused this design since the since the you know one of the last versions that they that they did um in or at least in the modern time and so what they've done is brought this back in commemoration of the 100th anniversary of Le Mans. What's really cool is on the black ceramic bezel, you actually have um, obviously the, the, the tachometer, but the 100 on the, the tachometer is in red. Red is something that Rolex uses often to sort of accent specific things. And that red accent on that 100 obviously is drawing attention to the fact that it's the 100th anniversary of the Le Mans. 
what's what's really exciting about this is it's not overly done. You know, I think many brands would probably write hundredth anniversary of the Le Mans um, endurance race somewhere on the watch, um, but they very subtly just made this red accent at a hundred, um, and and are using this as the as the way to mark the occasion. I think this is a very Rolex way of doing it, and um, I think it's a it's it's really well done. They have also uh, released a new um, movement. Um, when they when they launched uh, the new Daytonas, they in back in March, um, they had this new four one three one movement, which was their new. Um, this new watch, but they ended up actually um, releasing a new caliber for this watch, the 4132, um, which actually measures 24 hours on the chronograph as opposed to 12, which is the typical chronograph increment that is, is used to, to, to count. So obviously another way of drawing attention to the fact that this is for the Le Mans 24-hour race. Uh, I mean, what more can can you say? It's it's directly linking this watch to the the, the, the vintage six two six three Daytonas with the Paul Newman dials. The reverse Panda is one of the most desirable watches ever. They did it in white gold, which I think was a really great decision. Um, I wonder if they spoke about doing it in steel, or if maybe there's a couple that were released in steel, but are or or maybe there's some prototypes that may come to market. Who knows? Regardless, this is incredible. Uh, this is huge for the watch industry, and obviously plays an integral part of, to um, an integral part to to the history of the Daytona. What's quite interesting is there's a display case back, uh, which is not something that's typical with Rolex, but um, is a is a nice touch, added touch for this this watch. Um, in, in in its entirety, which I think is um, quite a quite an exciting um, quite an exciting release. What was really interesting when when you look at this release though is that it actually I think gave a bump to the watch market as a whole. Um, just sort of tracking prices of, of Rolex watches, I think there was actually a bump in a lot of Rolex uh, watches on the pre-owned market based off of this release. I think it spurred some excitement. Um, spurred some some energy into the brand and the watch that they produce and um, have increased prices for them uh, just slightly on the pre-owned market whether that will hold who knows but uh, you know we'll, we'll have to see I don't think anyone is going to be able to walk into a boutique and ask for one of these I think it's going to be a very small uh, amount of people that will be uh, that will be able to get access to these pieces Regardless, um, it's it's an incredible piece to, to, to add to one's collection. What's interesting is the Paul Newman dial, it, there's something about it that I'm still trying to get used to. It's probably the size of the squares on those subdials. It just feels a little bit off to me. Maybe I need to see it a little bit more, look at more pictures. You know, I, I, I'm not sure, but, but for some reason it's throwing me off just a little bit. But again... Um, an incredible release and, and uh, a really nice way of doing it by, by Rolex. Another huge story for this month was the announcement of Only Watch. Only Watch is a charity auction um, and it's going to be taking place in November. Uh, they uh, announced 
um, the, uh, the 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 sixty two lot or sixty two lots that are going to be offered on November fifth in 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 Geneva. Uh, this uh, this uh, only watches was founded by uh, Luke Petavino uh, in two thousand five to raise funds for muscular dystrophy, and many watch brands take part in this. And, um, and really what, what they end up doing is these unique watch brands create these unique pieces that are auctioned off and obviously it's for charity. So you find people who are you know bid, you know, uh, fairly high amounts for this. I think it's a great cause and a great way to integrate watches with uh, charity events. I'll discuss a couple of the lots that I thought were interesting and a couple of the lots that I'm excited to see what will actually happen. I'll actually start with those. MBNF and H. Moser announced this pretty interesting collaboration for Only Watches and teased this sort of poster, which is really frustrating because I want to see what it actually is. Um, we'll have to wait and see what they end up coming up with. Uh, Recep Recepi and Patek Philippe also have not um, fully announced what they are going to um, be releasing, but uh, they have announced sort of uh, conceptually uh, what it is. Um, so we have to wait and see for those two brands, which are fairly integral parts of the of the the, the brand. Automa Piguet released a or is is auctioning or is offering the uh, Royal Oak Flying Tourbillon Open Worked Only Watch Edition, um, which is. Uh, you know, flying tourbillons is like their their bread and butter. It seems they do this really really well. It's a forty one millimeter, uh, cased watch, with a ceramic bracelet, with the caliber twenty nine seventy two open work movement, which is finished with a really nice blue color. Um, it's in white gold, and, uh, is really, very similar to other watches that they've produced but the finishing obviously kind of makes it stand out this is going to go for for of course a really high number i think one of the best pieces and something that's probably going to get a, a ton of press and a ton of interest is the bulgari octofinissimo tourbillon in marble uh so the octofinissimo tourbillons are, are honestly i think one of the best watches to come out um in the last uh in the last uh, let's say 15, 20 years. Um, they've got a DLC-treated titanium case that has this really nice green marble um, layer over the top of it. Uh, so it has a really unique sort of green look to it. The dial has the same marble finish to it. At 6 o'clock, it's got this flying tourbillon from the BVL268 movement, which is the world's thinnest manual one flying tourbillon. Uh, if you if you thought the Bulgari Octofinissimo was getting a ton of press before this, this is obviously going to be a, a complete limited. Like this is the ultimate when it comes to the Octofinissimo line. I cannot imagine this going for under under half a million uh, uh, Swiss francs easily. Easily is going to be more than that because I think this is where collectors are looking to 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 um, to. To to to, to uh, create create sort of a modern collection for themselves because, you know, I'm not saying that everything's sort of you know, every collection is the same. I think the Octofinissimo is unique in that way where it's a, um, renowned collection of or it's a renowned model that continues to do really well amongst collectors because of the things that it's achieved and its unique uh, design. Tug Heuer also had a pretty nice showing 
for this auction, they've released the Monaco split second um, watch, which obviously has the Monaco square case to it um, in um, titanium and has the TH81-00 automatic split second chronograph with a, a sapphire case back and sapphire dial. Um, what's cool about this is um, this actually come the, the the winner of this lot will join Tag Heuer at the Monaco Formula One Grand Prix in May 2024. Oh, I forgot to mention that um, about um, uh, the the uh, the uh, I forgot to mention that about the Bulgari um, the Bulgari watch. So. Um, Winning the winning the Bulgaria Octofinissimo in marble um, will also come with with a one night stay in Bulgaria's newest hotel in Rome, uh, which I think is a, a nice little add on. It's kind of it, it reminds me of NFTs. I don't know why, but you know how if you buy an NFT, sometimes it comes with some something else tangible. It reminds me of that, um, which is cool. Tudor Tudor came out with a really interesting piece. This is um they they released a it's called the Tudor Prince Chronograph One, which is um, a new chronograph caliber in an 18 karat gold solid or 18 karat solid gold case um, which obviously has a new prototype movement the MT59XX with a column wheel construction silicon hairspring and 70 hours of power reserve I believe this is the only um, only solid gold chronograph that Tudor has released uh, which I think is quite unique. I will tip my hat to Tiffany and Richard Millet for um, thinking outside the box here. What they ended up doing was um, releasing versions of their watches, except they were mounted in two necklaces. So the Richard Millet created the RMS-14, um, and again, this is mounted in a really interesting necklace with Brerwood Gold, Titanium, and um, Rhodonite. Uh, there's also a Tiffany that has this really beautiful um, bird sculpture on the top of it um, that looks uh, really nice. It's got 461 diamonds on the dial of the watch. Uh, it does remind you of something maybe that an, that an you know, older individual would wear. But again, this is a nice way to be unique. So only watches coming up. I encourage you to keep keep an eye on their Instagram because they they'll obviously release pictures of what other brands are going to be um, going to be releasing uh, there. I want to quickly touch on uh, a result that I think was pretty historic at uh, the New York watch auctions. So um, pretty pretty crazy. The pocket watch number two from. Um, Roger Smith sold at Phillips for 4.9 million uh, US dollars, which is, uh, I believe it's the record setting for any British timepiece, a record setting result for Roger Smith. Um, and uh, it was really cool. I, I had the opportunity to be in, in the room uh, when that watch was auctioned off and it was obviously a, a really great accomplishment and a nice sort of bidding to, to, to watch. Um, 
watch watch go by. But there are many other uh, really great results that happened. Um, there was a broad air Submariner 2915-2 that passed at Sotheby's. Um, there was another one that uh, sold for 53000 at Phillips. Um, Jack Schweigert's um, uh, commemorative gold Speedmaster sold for $152,400 US dollars. Uh, and uh, again, I think it shows um, some resilience in the Speedmaster line and, and, int- and continued interest. Um, there was also a, a really cool Gilbert Albert um, 3424 that sold um, at Sotheby's for 203200 while the estimate was twenty to 30000 I think that estimate was a little bit low. Uh, but, yeah, it is, it is what it is. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other lots that I thought were interesting from, from, from the auctions that I watched. Um, can't think of anything off, off the top of my head, but I will say that I do think that what New York auction sort of showed to me was um, some the continued resilience that vintage watches have uh, in, 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 in the auction scene. I think they're kind of like the steady, the steady buy. I think something that people forget a lot is that, you know, modern watches are not finite if they're still in production. Vintage watches are. And finding vintage watches of specific quality is an even more finite resource. You know, every day one of those watches is worn. Whatever reference or whatever brand that you're thinking of, um, one of those watches is worn and it can change the, the way that the watch looks overall. And so depending on what kind of condition you like, it will look different. And there aren't more of those that are going to be produced. And I think that's why vintage really was, um, was will continue to be very, very strong. There is a great, um, we'll kind of shift gears to another sort of auction that's going to be taking place July 6th to 11th. The Horological Society of New York announced a charity auction, which will be presented by Phillips in association with Box and Russo. Um, all the proceeds of the sale will be going to the society's ongoing mission of advancing art and science of horology. And there are some cool lots that are going to be sold. There's a, I can go through the lots really quickly. Um, lot one is um, a, a, a couple of six books, uh, F.P. Jorn books that are signed by F.P. Jorn. There is a wall clock from H. Moser in the Streamliner um, uh, aesthetic. There is a cool Oris Big Crown Caliber 473 with in stainless steel with a blue lacquer dial that is selling. There's a Nomos, glass, uh, there's a Nomos uh, Tango Mat GMT plus glass back. So you have the opportunity to actually um, get a brand new GMT with a, um, a, a back that you're able to... Um, to see the movement on. There's a reverser that's selling. One of the watches that I think is is um, easily one of the highlights is lot six, which is a Laurent Ferrier Bridge One. It's a brand new stainless steel rectangular shaped watch um, donated by Laurent Ferrier. Um, the movement on this is incredible. If you haven't seen pictures, I encourage you to, to look at the links in the show notes so you can check it out um, because uh, talk about awesome. <laughs> uh, the um the uh the watch the, the 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 obviously the cause is great and if you're interested in watches 
it's worth um, it's worth uh, following and maybe bidding if you are interested. Continuing some of the new releases, um, a really cool release over the la- I think in the last week that was released, Timex released a collaboration with Cara Barrett called the Edition V One. Um, if you don't know who Cara Barrett is, where have you been living? No, I'm joking. She used to be a Hodinkee editor and really is a staple in 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 staple is an understatement she's an icon in the watch industry i think has drawn um, more attention to women and women collectors women's watches which is what i think we really need um and honestly probably has a lot to do with the interest in watches that we've seen uh so huge figure in the watch industry so she was an editor at hodinki i think she spent some time at auction houses as well but she's now collaborated with timex on this piece um that is called the edition v1 um the watch itself is really really beautiful it's a 36 millimeter stainless steel watch with a um cabochon on the crown blue so really light blue dial it's i think um uh something that Cara really really likes um it's got these really nice brigade numbers that are very similar to um very similar to the to to those used on Patek Calatravas. It's a it has a hand wound movement in it and is um in my opinion a, a really beautiful collaboration with someone who I would consider an icon in the industry. At thirty six millimeters with this baby blue dial, I don't know if um many men would, would gravitate towards it, but I would every day of the week wear this watch uh, because of how beautiful it looks. I think this uh, actually is a great example of how um, brands are actually trying to leverage people who are influential in the industry to come up with these pieces that are um, that are innovative and and would capture the attention of, of collectors and I think this certainly does and at two hundred forty nine USD like that this is a, a great affordable option for such a such a great watch. Um, that I think many people would love. I'll briefly touch on this. The new uh, MBNF HM9 Mark II was released. This is um, really a, um, a, 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 obviously it's the Mark II of the HM8, which is obviously a car-inspired um, watch. It has this beautifully svelte um, case that that is different than the original HM8. Um, uh, take check out pictures because it it really is a, a unique looking watch, um, compared to the to the original HM8. Um, that is, uh, without a doubt, um, the the case. Um, I, I continue to to absolutely love everything that MBNF does. So I'm not going to drone on about it because you've probably heard of me speak about about pull link in the in the show notes for you to for you to read about it. There's a really nice um, article on Hodinki. Last thing I wanted to mention was a. Cartier Chesh uh, in white gold that was found. Um, there was one of these that sold for just over a million USD recently in the last year. And obviously these watches are extremely, extremely rare. Um, it's not known for many of these to, to have been made, but one was actually, one actually surfaced. Um, and according to the watch boutique who owns the piece, Cartier made it for Giorgio Serranoli. Um, and I'll kind of read this little section from Hodinkee really quickly. If you're deep in Cartier, you might recognize the name. 
Zaganoli is the co-author of the famous Cartier Bianco book, a, a, term, a term that's harder to find than many watches. The book co-authored with famous, famous auctioneer Osvaldo Patrizzi documented much of Zaganoli's collection of white metal Cartier watches. Um, he had one of the most important watch collections in the world, and this watch uh, apparently uh, is owned by him. When you find, I think Cartier is getting their, they're definitely getting their, um, getting their day in the, in the, in the press. I think the quality of watches that they've released, the interesting designs that they've come up with is definitely becoming more noticed. And I think it's really great for all dress watches, um, as people sort of, uh, look to something a little bit different, uh, but with that said, um, I think it's going to be very difficult for you to find something like this um, in, the, in the watch industry, but a beautiful example nonetheless. All right, so um, I have covered a ton. If you want to read some more about it, um, check out the description. Uh, there'll be links to all the things that we've spoken about in this, in this podcast. Let me know what you think about um, some of these new releases, some of the auction results, the auctions that are coming up. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you wouldn't mind rating this podcast, it really does help me out. Um, and you can check us out on our social medias. We're, we're always active on those. So um, check us out on Instagram, Life on the Wrist. Um, pretty easy to find us. Uh, and uh, with that said, guys, if you are new to the podcast, be sure to follow us and share this with a friend who might be interested in watches. With that said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.